Hi, y'all. This is Carrie D. from Coffee with Carrie. Welcome to Season 2 of Coffee with Carrie podcast. It's such a privilege to do this adventure we call homeschooling with you. Thank you for tuning in again and walking this homeschooling journey with us. If you're new to us, you can find us on Instagram at Coffee with Carrie Consultant or at our website, coffeewithcarrie.org. So stick around, pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up, and take a little coffee break with me. I think you'll be encouraged. You know, when my brother got married, as a wedding gift, my mom gave him a green and red plaid journal filled with all of his favorite recipes. In her own handwriting, she spelled out step by step how to cook all of his favorite dishes from baked macaroni to pot roast to shrimp millerton to chicken gumbo and our famous veal parmesan and red gravy. My brother meticulously used her recipe book and followed the instructions to a T, resulting in mouth-watering culinary perfections. And I would marvel at his pot of meatballs and red gravy or his crawfish boil and wonder why in the world mine didn't taste like mom's. You see, my mom also gave me a few recipe cards when I moved to California. I cooked some of my favorite dishes like red beans and rice and jambalaya so much that I stopped looking at the recipes. I had them memorized. And because I lived in California, it was sometimes hard to find the correct kind of andouille sausage or the right gumbo feli seasoning, so I had to improvise and mix things up a bit. Little did I realize I had mixed things up so often and one little ingredient by one little ingredient at a time that eventually my dishes didn't quite taste like my brother's. They certainly didn't taste like my mom's. I also stopped referring to my mom's recipe cards, and I started relying more on my memory. The problem was, each time I did something from memory, it was slightly different. Now granted, my dishes were still pretty delicious, but when I would eat my brother's home-cooked meals, my heart was warmed by the nostalgia of, now that's how mama used to cook it. I didn't realize how different my recipes had become until I tasted my brother's cooking, or until I would read the recipes in his treasured little red and green plaid journal. My recipes of my mom's dishes were diluted and quite inaccurate. My traditional cooking was marred by faulty memory and missing components. Now that my brother and my mom and dad are all gone, I have this desire to make sure I pass on to Francesca and Joe the real stuff, the good cooking. I want to make sure I get back to cooking the recipes the way my mom did, even down to getting that bag of camellia red beans instead of any old bag of red beans I find on sale. More than ever, it's important to me that I honor my heritage and do it justice. You know, the restaurant business has been in our family for years. My grandparents owned Bivalacquas on Chapatulas before it became the world-famous Tipitinas. My mom harped on me the correct way to bread a piece of veal, how to fillet a chicken correctly, and how to cook a perfect pot of pasta. Y'all, it's all in the salt and the olive oil. When I was a kid, I would roll my eyes when my mom would say, no, honey, you bread it this way, or make sure you crisscross the cheese before you put it on top of the veal. But now I see the importance of following the recipes, keeping the integrity of the ingredients, 
and passing it on so my kids don't miss out. Okay, I know, super long story to introduce King Josiah, but trust me, I do have a point. In 2 Kings chapter 22 and 23, during the reign of King Josiah, the book of the law was unearthed and read for the first time in a very long time. When it was read aloud to him, Josiah's reaction was intense, to say the least. He tore his clothes. He wept and he mourned. He realized just how far the Israelites had come from following and worshiping the one true God. Now, I know my mom's recipe is nothing compared to God's word, but Josiah realized when he read the book of the law for the first time that the Israelites weren't following God's prescribed commands. He realized how many important things were removed from their lives in worship and that tons of vile and detestable things had been added. He realized they were doing things from faulty memory because for generations, no one was passing down the correct traditions like Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Just like I made a mess of my mom's recipes, the Israelites, their kings, and the high priest made a mess of God's temple, of God's commands, of God's celebrations, and of their worship of God. Actually, it was beyond a mess. It was vile, profane, offensive, and just pure evil. There's a lot we can learn from young King Josiah. In 2 Kings chapter 22 to 23, we learn that even though an entire nation and perhaps the whole world around us might be doing what's right in their own eyes, we can still do what is right in the sight of the Lord. We can learn from Josiah that even though the reality of judgment is at hand, we can still help to turn a nation back to God. We can learn from Josiah that God does hear humble cries from a contrite heart, and he blesses those who desire to walk with him, even if the walk is imperfect. We can also learn from Josiah that our faith in God and our obedience to his word can influence those around us in very big and very small ways. We can learn from Josiah the importance of reading God's word to the younger generation and the importance of celebrating God's faithfulness. But most importantly, we can learn from Josiah that it's never too late to bring God back into our lives, into our churches, into our communities, and into our nation. Josiah did it. He was only eight years old when he became king. In his eighth year of reign, meaning when he was only 16 years old, he began to seek God. He wasn't even legal age in our American standards when he began to purge the temple, Jerusalem, and Judea. He began doing this in his 12th year of reign, which made him only 20 years old. We find out it was in his 18th year as king, that means he was only 26 years old, when he made all of these sweeping and necessary changes in Judea. When we read 2 Kings chapters 22 to 23 in conjunction with 2 Chronicles 34 to 35, we see that bold young King Josiah did five important things to bring God back. He restored the temple. He read God's word. He renewed the covenant. He removed idols and false worship. And he remembered God's past faithfulness. If we want to be like Josiah and like his grandfather Hezekiah, and if we want to help turn a nation back to God, we need to do five things.
We need to restore, read, renew, remove, and remember. The reality of God's punishment was real, but Judea was still a kingdom and had not been conquered yet by the Assyrians or the Babylonians. So Josiah did his part. He was faithful and obedient. With so much evil around him, he still did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He still encouraged those around him to do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. It's my prayer that when my kids and my grandkids and maybe even my great-grandkids look back on this time in history when all of our morals were upside down and truth was turned into lies, lies became truth, and the gospel was on the cusp of being hate speech, I pray that they will remember me and my actions as, you know, mom, she did what was right in the sight of the Lord. In the first couple of verses in 2 Kings chapter 22, we read that Josiah began to restore the temple. We read that everyone did their part. Everyone used the gifts and talents God had given them from the least of them to the greatest. Not only that, but they did their work to the best of their abilities. It says Josiah paid them for their work and didn't ask for an accounting because he knew everyone was doing their part and doing it well, all for the glory and honor of God. Just in these first few verses, we learn an important lesson about bringing God back. It's never too late to restore our churches or to restore our family of God. No matter what part we play in our family, no matter what ministry we do in our church, no matter what role we have in our communities, if we faithfully do our part and do it for the glory and honor of God, then people, communities, and hearts can change. As I read this section, I can't help but wonder what damages in our churches today need to be repaired or restored. After a year and a half of COVID, suppression, riots, unrest, and outright lies and evil schemes, I pray our churches will work hard to restore what has been broken. I also need to ask myself, how am I contributing to the restoration of the church and to the church body? Now, in the rest of 2 Kings chapter 22 to the first three verses of chapter 23, we read how the book of the law was found, how it was read to Josiah for the first time, and how Josiah responded to hearing God's word. It says, upon hearing the book of the covenant, Josiah tore his robe. He mourned and wailed when he realized his sins and the sins of his nation. Upon hearing it, he then insisted that the book of the law be read aloud to everyone. It says he called the priests, laymen, workers, everyone to the temple, from the least of them to the greatest. After reading to the people, we learn that Josiah renewed the covenant with the Lord. He personally vowed to follow God, to keep his commands, statutes, and decrees, and he promised to do it with all of his heart and soul. And through his example, it says, all, all of the people pledged their obedience to the Lord as well. Josiah encouraged not just his family, but his entire nation to believe and to follow Yahweh. You know, in the last part of chapter 22, in those first few verses in chapter 23, we are reminded of several powerful lessons. One, that God's word is piercing. It can convict the most hardened, ignorant, or rebellious of hearts. Josiah heard it read just one time, and it was enough to ignite a revival within him. 
It convicted him to be better and to do better. When we read the word of the Lord, do we respond this way? As we read God's word, are we focused as Josiah to repent of the sins that the Lord is showing us? Second, we're reminded that it's never a waste of time to read God's word to our family and to share God's word with others. Josiah read it once to his family and friends and to his nation, and it was enough to start a spiritual revolution. When we read the word of the Lord, do we respond like Josiah? Do we mourn and lament over our nation and maybe even over our churches and pastors that aren't following God's commands? What is our reaction when we realize how our family, our church, our nation, our society, our community, and our world have strayed so far from God's ways? And thirdly, we're reminded that it's never too late to renew our relationship with the Lord. No matter how far away we run, no matter how far away we turn, or how far we push the boundaries with God, it's never too late to turn back and renew our vows and our commitment to Him. When we read the Word of the Lord, do we respond this way? Like Josiah, do we want with every fiber of our being to make things right with the Lord? Then in the rest of Second Kings chapter 23, we read that Josiah purged the temple and the land of Judea of its filth and its immoral ways. He meticulously removed idols from the temple that had been added by previous kings. He cut down those Asherah poles that encouraged the people to worship other gods. He burnt and pulverized altars that vile and hideous acts were performed on in the name of worship. You know, in the 1970s and 80s, archaeological digs in the area of Samaria revealed inscriptions on icons found that mentioned Yahweh and his Asherah. These finds showed that the ancient Israelites, well, at least during the 7th, 8th, and 9th century, worshipped both Yahweh and Asherah together as a pair. These poles and idols were perceived by the people at the time as appropriate idols to erect in Jerusalem and in the temple. It was not only allowed and accepted back then, but it was considered right. Through the lens of history and the words of chapter 23, we're hit with an undeniable truth, that years of compromise can lead to very unholy practices, that years of not reading God's word and not teaching it to the next generation can lead to defiled worship and vile rituals, and that years of accepting society's values without using God's word to compare it to can lead to ungodly values and detestable behaviors. Like my brother's recipe journal and my cooking, years of leaving things out, years of adding my own ingredients, and years of trying to do things from memory instead of following the correct recipe led to food that no longer looked or tasted the way it was supposed to be. This is what happened to the Israelites. This is what's happening to our nation and our world today. We're leaving things out. We're adding things in. We're compromising. We aren't reading and sharing God's word as a recipe for goodness and salvation as often as we should. Bold young King Josiah teaches us in chapter 23 that it's never too late to remove ungodly practices, compromises, and half-truths from our lives 
from our churches, and from our nation. When archaeological digs unearth artifacts of this past decade, what will they find? Will they find evidence of compromise? Evidence of mixed worship? What will they assume we thought was quote-unquote acceptable that future Josiahs and future generations will know was actually evil in the sight of the Lord? Well, I can think of a few theories that they're going to find in our textbooks and facts that they won't find in our textbooks. I can think of a few rainbow flags they might discover, some laws that they'll probably read, and they'll find many baby-killing machines and they will be unearthed. 2 Kings chapter 23 requires us to take an honest and hard look. What do we need to purge from our hearts, from our homes, from our lives? What little idols have moved in? What ungodly practices has seeped in? What Asherah poles do we look up to instead of seeking God in His Word? What unhealthy rituals or practices have we added to our Sabbath or to our worship of the Lord? We also learn from Josiah the importance of utterly and completely destroying these idols and practices. You know, he didn't just remove them. He burnt them, he pulverized them, and he scattered them in a valley far away. Y'all, once we remove these idols, we need to guard our hearts and homes to make sure that they don't find their way back in. And finally, tucked away in two very short verses in chapter 23, We read that Josiah and the Israelites participated in the Passover for the first time in generations. We're reminded here how important it is to take time each week, each season, and each year to remember God's faithfulness in the past so that we can wholeheartedly trust that He will be faithful now and in the future. It's my prayer that our children will be bold like young King Josiah that we will be brave like Josiah, that we can, through action and words, bring God back to our families, our churches, and our nation. It's my prayer that God will look down on us and describe us like he described Josiah. Neither before nor after you or me was there a mom like them who turned to the Lord as they did, with all their heart and with all their soul and with all their strength. The story of Josiah reminds me of Alexander Hamilton's adage, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Now more than ever, we need to be a Josiah. We need to stand for God and his word, and we need to bring God back. Thank you for hanging out with us and for joining me for this little coffee break. If this is your first time joining us, you can find us at our website, coffeewithcarry.org. We also have daily devotions and homeschooling tips at our Instagram account, Coffee with Carrie Consultant. And don't forget to check out my new book, Just Breathe and Take a Sip of Coffee, Homeschool and Step with God. If you heard something you liked, then share our podcast with a friend who might need a little encouragement this week, or share it with a friend who might need to hear the story and the boldness of Josiah. If you haven't already, we would love for you to subscribe to Coffee with Carrie podcast, and then take a few minutes to leave a little review. Thank you in advance for listening to us each week and for sharing our podcast, book, and homeschool mom ministry with your friends. We're so very honored and grateful. It's our prayer that our website, our homeschooling consulting services, our podcast, and our new book will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time.
We're praying for you. Stay healthy. God bless. And see you next time.